In this episode of the McBee Podcast, we listen in on the fifth session of the second day of the 2018 McBee Mentoring Meeting. Due to some technical difficulties, we joined the session a little bit late, but in it, Dr. Ann Coker presented on the need to publish prior to pursuing grant funding and how to obtain funding through various agencies. Specifics on funding mechanisms were presented and are available on the McBee website under the 2018 McBee Meeting Materials Day 2 PowerPoint presentation proposal back in if you are sucked into this idea somebody really wants you to work wants to work with you um, this happened to me actually last year um, I really felt I needed to do this and I was telling Heather man I'm glad this did not get scored and that's not a good thing when you're really happy something that didn't get scored you are doing something you shouldn't be doing so number five is another mistake I made so make sure that what you're doing is something you really really want to do all right um, let's see um, this, the, the sixth point is it's really good to seek um, internal sources of funding um, early on. But be careful because smaller grants are really important as you're, as you're starting out. But within like about three to four years, you really need to be focusing on um, NIH, uh, CDC, or NIJ funds. So that's really helpful for pilot work, but you really need to be moving on to other sources. Um, the other the issue that I have uh, is, is I will say I will do way too much for too little money. So really be very careful about what you're asking for and make sure that what you're asking for is what it takes to get the work done, okay? All righty. All right, so I mentioned I was going to be talking about NIH because that's an area that, um, let me just say it this way, that's where the money is, okay? Um, CDC is a really important um, source of funds for what we do for the most part because it's the only HHS agency that addresses violence as an outcome, okay? So for CDC, for CDC, it's a really important, and I'll contrast what you can do with CDC, what you cannot do with CDC, and different for NIH. So NIH, you've really got to figure out, how is it that I can look at violence as really an exposure, has impact on, uh, has impact on a specific organ, if you want to look, like, look at it that way. So um, I'll talk about that just a minute in terms of those, uh, those agencies within, or the, the institutes within NIH and how to frame things along that line. Okay, so the main point is, that is really contrasting NIH from CDC, is NIH, you can talk to project officers. You can talk to your science officer. In fact, it is strongly encouraged that you do that. If you don't do that, your science officer is blindsided by a great proposal, it may not get funded, okay? So they really, really encourage you to talk to your science officer. The opposite is true for CDC. Do not talk to um, science officers. In fact, it's hard to know who those individuals are. So that's a big contrast um, for NIH and CDC. All right. Um, the other, the second part is have then, if you're talking NIH, and I don't know about NIJ. Can you talk to science officers at NIH? Okay. All right. So only with NIH can you talk to your project officer. And it's, and it's, you can? Okay. Okay. So, so let me repeat that. So NIH and NSF, you can talk to project officers. It is not allowed with NIJ 
and CDC. So it's, that's important distinction to know. Okay, the, the, third, the second point is have others to review your AIMS page. Now the grants differ in terms of the structure of them. Most all of them require a research question <laughs> and hypotheses. But it's really important, and this is what we're, one of the things we're trying to do with the cross-pollination, it's really important to have others review that first page particularly, that is your AIMS page, because that's what majority of reviewers are, all reviewers are gonna look at, either the abstract page or that first page. So one of the things we're trying to do is, to, is as you are developing, just provide those and we can review them. Um, that's part of our kind of a, a grants um, review process within the cross-pollination. Um, let's see, and you can do it early. I just wanna be really clear. One of the things we do at, within Birch is we review the AIMS page is just really the AIMS early, early on because that's what's gonna change the most. And if you got your AIMS page good, then you can, most of us can really write the grant pretty quickly after that. All right. Um, third point is most universities will pay for an outside reviewer to review your, your entire grant. Now what that means is you've got to get your entire grant ready at least six weeks in advance. Yeah. And you've got to talk to then and identify those individuals. Now, here's strategically why this is important. If you've got somebody who you do not want to review on a panel, then that's a great opportunity to get their feedback in advance. And then they are disqualified for they cannot review your grant. Okay? That's really important. That's really important. And you can also get there. They're usually hypercritical people or very thoughtful, depending on how you want to look at that. So, so it's really important, though, to engage them in that way. Okay? Um, usually the payment, just, just to make sure I'm providing this, usually the payment is like um, around uh, at least $250 to up to five. Okay, for that for that um, service. So you could you could talk with. We have an office of sponsored programs. Everybody has an office of sponsored programs, and proposal development is another um, service within each of our universities. Okay, so they, someone can help you with that. All right. Uh, oh, number four. Um, this is obvious, but I want to make it really really clear. The only way to get funded is to submit, and it requires multiple, multiple submissions to get funding. In fact, I was, I was talking with Liz Miller last, last week, and we've, we submit in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 grants a year, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and can get one or two. You under, it, so don't feel bad if you don't get funded on the first round, because you won't. You know, it's, it's one of those, it takes time, yes. Oh, good question. How many times might you submit the same idea? I submit, in, in, in fact, let me just give you an example. The Green Dot Across the Bluegrass Project, I submitted pretty much the same proposal to, to CDC and to CDC and NIH. It got funded at CDC, didn't even get scored at NIH. That, that's happened you know, a couple of times for me. So it's really important that if you have a good idea, in other words, my point in the previous slide, if you gotta really wanna do this. It's gotta be really important for you. And then you've gotta just be persistent. Yes? Mm -hmm. Can you submit them in the same year? Follow-up question, yes. Can you submit the same project in the same year to two different agencies? Yes, yes. 
That's a good question. I'm glad we're asking about the strategy because we're talking now strategies. We're moving right into strategies. So there's, it's, um, I think we think that there is you, one agency, one idea. It's not true. You can take the same idea and shop it to different locations, largely because we are really a very collaborative group. We've talked about that. So the finding the fit is a matter of how you craft your proposal. So you can take the same idea and tweak it a little bit, and then it is more responsive. But you've got to be responsive to the agency that, that you're proposing to. You've got to really tell. And you can quote the uh, calls when you're writing. You know, you basically quote them, if you will, um, to, to indicate how this work is particularly relevant for that agency. Okay. All right. Um, oh, this is the, the fifth, because we've got several people that are going to go up for tenure and promotion. It's really important for you to include your submissions, particularly when the climate right now, because it's really money is really tight, go ahead and quote and and include your submissions. And if you get scored, include the scores on your on your grant. This um, so that that's really something that is important, um, particularly for the individuals going up um, for promotion and also for your annual annual reviews. I included in the CVs as well. Okay. All right, um, we mentioned submitting the same or similar grant to different agencies, that's, that's fine, no problem there. Um, oh yeah, we talked about how many grants to, three, three to five grants to get one funded, it's a little bit more than that now. <laughs> um, all righty, it is really important, we've talked about this when we talked about collaboration, um, but I think it's really important if there's an area that you don't know well, then find a collaborator, because you know what, the reviewers will tell you to do that. They absolutely would tell you to do that. Um, it's really important to think. We, our our uh, environment now is much more collaborative, and meaning that team science is what reviewers need to want to see. So it's fine to just go ahead and include those in advance. You can now do multi PIs, which is uh, a, a new thing, great thing. It's a great way for particularly junior and senior individuals to work together. So take advantage of that. It's a little bit more work. You have to include letters along that line, but certainly an option, particularly for junior fa faculty. All right. So now this is a slide about marketing. I didn't realize as an epidemiologist I'd be such a marketer, but it is really important to do this. So particularly with NIH, and I mentioned that's where the money is, um, and, and, and uh, it's really important to focus on a specific, and you might have many different um, institutes or, or, or agencies that you're working with. You've got to work with those science officers because each of the agencies look at, look at their outcome a little bit differently. So that's an important component. And, and make those connections earlier, okay? So for me, it's usually that we're looking at violence as the exposure, the outcome is, is a given disease that the agency focuses on, and you're sure, because you've talked to the project officer, that this is an area that they, they would be interested in, okay? Um, mentioned that if violence is the outcome that CDC or NIJ is, is your most likely fund, funder, in other words, you're trying to change the frequency of violence, and you're not necessarily working, interested in a specific outcome, then those are the two big funders, as well as NSF, okay? Um, okay, we talked about the agency in, in, in interest in framing your significant statement, and that's really key. You've got to tell them how work you're doing is going to influence their specific mission. And you can quote them. Okay. I like to include um, some documentation because a lot of times the reviewers are just not 
aware of the importance of violence. So for the things we think, we have, everybody knows this, it's not necessarily true. So you got to include in your marketing statement why violence is important, how it affects particularly health, if that's where you're, where you're going. Um, so those are, those are some of the tricks along those lines. I always include, if, if possible, if we have that, and we actually have it for sexual violence now, estimates of how much things cost you know, the sexual violence estimates are really important to include. Also, intimate partner violence, and those are available through CDC. All right. Uh, okay, now um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, pathways to build and sustain then, then your work in this area. Um, there are many different um, sources of early funding. And one of the, one of the sources is a K award, that's, a, that's NIH funding. Um, there is not an equivalent right now at CDC. I'm not sure about NIJ so, or NSF. I know NSF has early, early um, fu funding potentials, but that's, that is a really good source. Um, if you're looking at, and I have additional slides I'm not going to go through, um, but they're great slides in terms of contrasting the types of K awards that are in options. But K awards are only options if you need additional training. If you don't need additional training that you're going to move straight into an, an R01, um, that's some, another thing to consider in terms of how you're going to move forward there. Okay. Um, now, this, the bullet point next, the ultimate goal of biobehavioral researchers, many of you are not biobehavioral bio researchers, but many of you are. And you're really, the way that you're getting, uh, unfortunately this is the way it is, the way that you get promoted is to get the first grant. Usually it is an R grant or an R grant equivalent. Um, so to do that, you've got to really work through how you can, you can put that together. Um, the slides are, are, that, are, that are coming up are, gonna, are really talking through that really briefly. All right, there are other, there are other smaller R series. Um, I I'm not sure that we had a conversation over here about um, an R34, um, which is, which is a, a grant to help you develop an intervention. That's actually one of the, that's the booming area right now in our field. There are also R21s and R03s. Um, be careful with R21s and R03s. They're small amounts of money. In fact, they're in some ways um, a lot of work for a little money. So it we particularly with junior junior faculty, uh, I would go straight with for an R01 as long as you have some pilot pilot monies. In other words, preliminary studies work. Yes. If you're going after the R grants, um, recent, I, I actually was just awarded a K, but I looked into the R mechanisms, and as a junior researcher, there's a way with the R01 to, to designate that you are a junior researcher within the NIH, and their percentage of funding those for junior researchers is actually much higher than going for the R21 or the R03. So don't feel like you can't apply for the R01, especially if you can still tag yourself as a junior researcher. Um, they really are encouraging people to apply that way. I would say much more strongly that you have no advantage in, in competing with people who are more senior with an R21 or an R03. So if you have some preliminary data, and all of you probably do, from your dissertation work, go straight to an R01. As long as, and a small R01 is fine. Small R01's an R01, right? So that, that's really true, what, what Julianne is saying. It's very important to realize that you have power because you're a, you are more junior or new investigator. So use it, use it, okay. And, yep. 
It is always useful to publish. <laughs> um, but you can say, um, that's why I mentioned the business about, is it in press or is it submitted? It is much better to say it is in press um, and, and to be able to essentially quote yourself. Um, that, that's really, really attractive. And we could go in, I'm not going to talk about it now, but there's a whole range of different journals. I mean, journals are kind of crazy now in terms of all the, the for-profit um, sources, but there are ways to, to get work published more rapidly, and we, can, we could talk about that, but not now. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Um, mm -hmm. We talked about the Ks. Um, I'm not going to talk about this in great detail, but the slides really go through a lot of the options for K, K awards. And these are slides that are actually already on our web website along those lines. Um, mentioned the three different um, sources. There, there also are um, private funding sources, and that's a really good option. We, we were talking earlier, I think it was yesterday, about a range of different ways to brainstorm finding those, those sources. And it is it is um, fine to have that money. Um, there's some, in, in medical institutions, it's a little bit more, I mean, there's a little snobbery around that. Uh, NIH is the better source, but uh, money is money, right? All right, okay. This is, in, and we're gonna start into a little conversation about NIH specifically, and I'm just gonna hit the highlights here. It is real, really, under, it's, it's important for people to know, and thank you, Juliana, for mentioning the, the dispensation that junior, junior faculty have right now, as long as you have the distinction of a new investigator. You, your role, basically, is to get a grant in which you are the PI. Okay, that is what, what's the magic there. So if you go in as a co with somebody, um, that's not as important as going in as the PI on, on a grant. Um, the other thing is that, that there's a lot of money right now at NIH. It is, a, again, the, the largest institution in terms of funding in this area, but the budget has not been cut. At least right now, the budget has not been cut. So now is the time. <laughs> To, to really use that opportunity and particularly the, the uh, uh, dispensation for individuals who are going in with, with, as new investigators. So um, we mentioned, uh, let's see the bullet point here, I'm gonna mention this with regard to CDC. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of new money at CDC for focusing on the opioid epidemic. It's also an area of great interest for NIH, and there is a link, as we all know in this room, with substance abuse and, and opioids specifically. So that's an area uh, of interest. Um, and National Institute of Aging has additional monies um, to focus on Alzheimer's and other dementia, dementia, dementia area. So that's an, that's an area that there's not a huge portfolio. I know this because I've talked to the project officer recently. NIA is another area that has little research in terms of, of, of um, violence and its impact. Okay, so um, one strategy, and this is again in the area of you don't get funded unless you continue to submit, is one strategy is to have a grant in every cycle. At NIH, that's every, three, actually every three to four months, okay? And if you have, you're putting in another grant um, that has been reviewed, at least positively, it may not be scored, but, but at least positively re reviewed, you could actually have more than that. Okay, alrighty. 
I'm going to just kind of hit the highlights here just to let you know you've got to find your home. So as I mentioned, I've mentioned several of these. The ones that are, in my experience, the, be the better homes. I do a lot of um, women's health. So a big home for us is uh, the NICHD, Child Health and Development. In fact, our Follow the Green Dot is in, in that location. Um, but others are NIDA and NIAAA. Another, as I just mentioned, NIA, National Institute on Aging, and, and several people in this room have had some success with NIMH. All of the agencies um, that are represented here have an ability to link, but those are the more common ones in terms of, in terms of um, potential for funding in our area. Okay. Let's see. The purpose of, of this slide is really to, to let you know that there are ways to query particular calls. And so I'm not gonna really talk through this um, in great detail, but it's really important to keep in, keep in mind that there are really two kinds of grants. There are grants for which there's a specific um, program announcement. So they're looking for a specific type of work. And then there's what, what are called parent. This is again NIH, parent grants. That really is an investigator initiated. So you come up with the idea, you pitch the idea. That's the more common source of funding at NIH. And that's, again, really important to talk to the project officer in that area. Okay. So uh, this slide is to remind us the goal is to get an R01. That's, that's the focus here. <laughs> okay. So in terms of the funding, um, the gold standard is, is the R01. Um, you've got to make sure that the, the topic is of interest to NIH, so again, talk to your project officer. And this, this actually has the investigator initiated that I just talked about. All righty. Um, this, is, this is an example of the um, investigator initiated um, specific calls. This is an example of a, um, a funding an announcement and the call and how you can then identify those. Many people have already saved to their pro uh, profile these calls so that you're you're, it's announced and you have that information and know when it's coming. Okay. Uh, I think I've made this point. Um, R01s, you need to have the preliminary studies. That's why you need to think ahead. You've got your planning for the, for the semester or the year so you know what grants are going in. If you know what grants are going on, you know what papers you need to be supporting those. So that's the purpose of looking at your planning there. This is the early investigator, early stage investigator that Juliana is talking about. Again, these slides are going to be available for you guys at the end of the end of the uh, end of the week. All right, it's really important in the last little point here to stay alert to your window of opportunity. What that means is we're not early investigators for more than ten years, and it's ten years since your last funding. So you can you can based on I'm sorry, ten years since your last degree, okay, terminal degree. Not last funding. <laughs> I saw a little, whoa, no, it's the last degree. <laughs> but NIH will let you know if you're not if you're not in that window. But it's really important to kind of maintain that. Um, fun, know what know what that is. Now, this is a couple of slides. I'll just really quickly say this. These are the, the um, small r grants and uh, we see a lot in our Birch program people thinking, oh, in R21, I'll be more likely to get this, as Juliana pointed out. These are not, you're not as competitive, actually, for an R21. And an R21 is not a lot of money. And the other part is it's shorter time period. 
And you have to have a really specific idea. It has to be a novel idea, a high risk or novel idea. So don't think of an R21 as an easy um, way to get funding. It is not. It is very competitive in that way. Um, that's that information. Okay, an R03, another one. It's a short amount of funding. It is not pilot funding. Okay, you do you do not need to have pilot pilot monies to get either an R21 or an R01. So that's why a lot of people think about it as a small um, R01. But it's a lot of work for not a lot of money. If you have an idea, like for example, I've I've had an R. RO3, having existing data. This is a really good mechanism along those lines. Okay. All right. Career development. This is the K Award series. There are many different Ks. If you're interested in these, again, the big distinction is, do you have, uh, do you need additional training? If you need additional training, you can specify that area that this is a good source. Typically, those are you have a project idea, which is part of the application, and then you have a training component of those. Okay. Okay, I'm going to say that for everybody here, and then Emily's going to hit you up for it. <laughs> so Juliana is willing to fit, to uh, share her K, and Heather is willing to share her K award too. So we, that will be posted again on our on our website. Okay. All right, Mona's willing to share. This is great. Oh, and I should should have mentioned um, for everybody just make sure that what we have on our website are other grants as well, funded funded grants, uh, including McBee is there. Okay. Sorry? Parts of the grant. Yeah, it's not the full full grant, like no budget. Okay. Um, alrighty, let's see. I'm going to cut that. Okay, that's that part. Okay, this is the big difference between um, NIH and CDC, the funding times. And I made notes on this as well, but I think I can do it from the slide. All right, so basically NIH has the parent calls, in other words, the investigator initiated, as well as, and that's very, it's the same schedule, okay? That's what they call standard deadlines. And they are in February, early February, um, early June, and early October, okay? There is some variance between them, but not for the parent calls. Uh, and, or the investigator-initiated calls. The uh, other options are the, the um, FOAs, and those are specific, so the timelines will differ. So those are really the two big sources of funding within NIH. CDC is a little bit different. Um, CDC usually, and, and I'm really focusing on our, our area, those calls will typically come out late, late November, early December, and be due sometime in middle of usually March. There are two forms, two kinds, the cooperative agreement and um, a, it's an R01 equivalent. Um, and they are, t they are hmm, they're similar in terms of a parent, a parent grant at NIH, but focused. So as long as what you're proposing is responsive to the call, then they are very similar to an investigator-initiated grant. Okay, the focus of, of uh, CDC has in the past been really uh, focusing on reducing perpetration. But so that's an, those are the two options there. Again, with CDC, you are not going to contact a project officer. In fact, you don't even know who the project officer could be. Okay, at NIH, you are absolutely going to do that. In NSF, you're absolutely going to do that. So it's important to know that big dis difference there. Okay. 
The other big difference in my mind between the two is the amount of money is stated for CDC. And that is total cost. So that means when you're doing the budget, you're including, you cannot go over the total cost. And that includes direct and indirect. NIH, that is not the case. NIH, the amount stated is the, is the direct. And then you can add, you will add, then the agency will add, um, that additional indirect cost. And that will be what additional you get um, for your, your, your um, university gets on top of that. So that's a, that's a distinction between the two, and it's important when you're putting your budget together. All right. The other difference between the two is that NIH, as I described, the three times a year, um, if you then resubmit, you're submitting a month later than the, the call. That is a resubmission. You will get comments and you will respond to those comments from the review panel. So there's an ability to have an iterative process. That is not the case at CDC. There's no ability to resubmit in that way. Okay, that's a imp really important distinction there. All right, let's see. I think I've covered the mechanisms. We've talked about the contact with science officers as well. Okay, all right. I'm going to open up uh, to those individuals who have expertise from NIJ, well, in general, and then specifically NIJ. You want to? Um, yeah, so I haven't actually applied for an NIJ grant for several years, but every year I sit on the grant um, review committees. So I just thought I'd share a few things, like some tips, and where do we see people going sideways? Um, this is in no in particular order. But number one, you have to make your, well, let, me, let me start with this. The people who are sitting on these committees are really busy, like all of us. Make it easy for them, okay? And there's lots of ways to do this. Use a statement that says, this is important because. Don't be afraid to just be super blunt like that because that's what we're gonna highlight. And when we're giving scores, we're gonna note when we're putting this together, this is important because. Um, if you are applying to NIJ and you're not in a criminology, criminal justice group, and especially if you're at a university that has one, you need to at least make a nod that you have worked with them. By that, bring them in as a consultant or something. But I have seen many times where something's coming out of a different group and there's nothing wrong with it, but they cite zero crim, criminal justice literature, and it's just apparent that they're missing a large part of it. And that, and you'll get a ding for it. So that it really is important that collaboration, they don't have to be a co-PI, um, they don't have to have a large role, but some role is really critical. Read the, read the RFP, read it really carefully, and you'd think you wouldn't have to say this, but you do. They have certain sections that they want, and they have subheadings. Use that language. Make it easy for us to go through and go, oh, here's project impact. Um, because what we have is a scoring sheet where it says, what's the project impact? And make it easier for us to find that and to be able to say, this is a really strong project. I think everybody goes to the table wanting to fund everything. And what happens is we're, we find reasons why we shouldn't versus going to the table and not wanting to fund anything and having to be sold the other way. Um, word counts do actually matter, so pay attention to that. There are easy ways. Take away two spaces after the period, regardless of how you feel, you will save pages on that. Um, <laughs> Um, using the same headings are also in the NIJ RFPs. They give examples of certain tables they want. Copy them. Make it easy again. 
The dissemination plan, this is one where I find it's kind of toward the end of the proposal, right? You're pretty sick of it, and what can you really say? But there are ways to stand out in this part. Most people will say, we will do two to three journal articles and present it at the ASC. One thing, make sure you're calling the groups the appropriate name. I've seen, especially people who say aren't in the criminal justice criminology stuff, they talk about like the, um, International Criminal Justice Services Conference or something that does not exist, you know? And I'm not saying I know them all, but I'll go look it up. So make sure you're using the right ones. And if you say you're going to present it at the next meeting, don't say it's gonna be in March because that is in November always. So things like that. Also, don't just say I'm gonna do journal articles and um, some presentations. Everybody says that. Make yourself stand out. Especially with NIJ, what I like to see is say, we're gonna put together some one or two page documents that NIJ can uh, make available to the public. You're making it easy for NIJ to then just take this, put some color on it, and make it available to the public. And that's something that's really good. Some people do podcasts, some people do all sorts of things. Um, I think when you just say, we're gonna post these findings on our university website, the end, that's not really working. So you have to show that you're really making an effort to broadly disseminate it. Um, and that's one place that I see a lot of people really fall down. Let's see. Providing information on all sections. We will notice if you miss a section. Because again, our scoring sheet has those sections. And it tells us, just like on the RFPs, this is worth 50%, this is worth 10%. So it will be noticed. Note the detail, as Anne was talking about, about early career opportunities. We used to have um, separate RFPs for that but now it's built into the RFPs. So say it, when you're talking about your capabilities, competencies, I am an early career researcher. My degree was blah, blah, blah. So address it, make it easy for us to find it, and then we can say this is why this is a good proposal to fund. And something that's not NIJ relevant, but university, and you guys probably know this, but like our university, our budget office came out with a rule a few years ago that said all uh, proposals have to be to us, and I might have this wrong, six weeks before they're due. Well, if you're familiar with NIJ, the RFPs often don't come out six weeks before they're due. Um, and it's part of the reason I stopped even applying because it's impossible to do it at that point. So knowing your budget office at your university and what their rules are is really key. So there's nothing worse than putting together a big proposal because there's a ton of work to then discover that it, you can't even turn it in on time. That's it, you wanna? I just have a few more comments. I know Ann uh, made the contrast between CDC and NIH, so I'm going to add some more contrast with respect to um, NIJ, because NIJ doesn't have R's or K's, it just has RFPs, which is, I don't want to say they come out randomly, but there's not a cycle, like Ann described that cycle, that's definitely not in NIJ's culture. Um, another difference is that NIJ also has scientific review panels, and Kelly and I have both served on those. Those are recommendations to the director. The director makes the final decision as to who gets funded. And a lot of that, to be honest with you, my experience has been, depends upon who the director is. Um, at times, an academic has been the head of NIJ, like when John Laub was the head of it, or Jeremy Travis, Nancy Rodriguez. That's not the case now. Uh, David Mullenhausen, who is a Heritage Foundation uh, employee, um, is, is now leading NIJ. Um, I strongly encourage you to go out and look at his CV. Um, he did a lot of in-house publications at, um, at the Heritage Foundation. Um, so he's not a true academic in that sense. And you also see that he's been very critical of social programs. 
um, being a, quote, waste of taxpayers' dollars. So you know where I'm going with this, right? I mean, his job is basically to fund projects that um, enhance you know, or complement DOJ's um, objectives. And we all know who's running DOJ at this point, right? Um, so it's, it's, I want to say, a little bit more political environment than what Ann described in terms of CDC and, and uh, NIH. And, and that's just the reality. Oh, and the other thing I was going to tell you, Kelly and I were both commenting, we've never received uh, reviewer scores. Because like, I asked her, I go, did you ever get a score from NIJ? And she's like, no. I go, neither have I. So, yeah, but you don't get a score. Yeah, in fact, the, when we're scoring, the, we write the statements that they then bring together to one coherent paragraph. And that's what people who uh, submit get. There aren't scores. And there's good reasons for that, because at the table, there are some people that are much harsher scorers, but they're consistent. And so it, it just uh, doesn't do any good. And I would just also want to reiterate, it, it cha has changed over time, but you cannot contact the person in charge of the grant and ask specific questions. They have a mechanism to ask questions, but they have to ensure that everybody gets the question and answer. So just so I'm clear about that. Yeah, you have to submit your questions to the NCJRS Re Response Center. <laughs> and no, it's explicitly on their website. Like, do not contact us. Yeah. If you have a question, it has to be submitted to the NC. Yeah, JRS Response Center, whatever that means. <laughs> um, I have a question and then a comment. Uh, the first question is, realistically, do you feel like there's any point in applying for NIJ funding under this current administration? Yes, and I'll tell you why. There's a lag. I, at least my experience and observation is there's a lag when political environments change for it to affect. And it might still be that it's okay, but maybe next year it's just doomsday. I say do it. It again establishes a relationship. It's a good experience. You can put it on your Vita that you have at least tried. So there's a lot of benefit from it. I also know there's some expense and time and, and effort, but I think it pays off in the long run. Okay. And a lot of the pro a lot of the program managers, project managers, have been there for a really long time, and they are advocates of good science. Yes. So there are good people there. It's just the leadership changes because it's a low-level presidential appointment. Sometimes it goes under the wire, and then you never know who you're going to get, and we have who we have now. <laughs> um, my comment is about working with your grants office. Um, my experience has been that internally uh, our grants office can be flexible about that kind of six-week deadline of s turning something in early, and so if something if a call comes out and it's not enough time for them, there's often some flexibility in turning it in much later. So don't necessarily let that deter you. Go ahead. Do I have time to make a comment? Very quickly. So I, I sit on NIJ and NIH review panels, and I just want to reiterate, so not only do we have to make the argument about why violence matters and say we're early career investigators, if there's anything you want the panels to know, it has to be written down, because yep. what we can't say is, well, I know Ann Coker, and I know mm -hmm. she, she didn't say she's going to do this, but mm -hmm. I know she will. Like We can't say that in, mm -hmm. in grant review panels, so make sure everything is written down. Sarah, did you want to say something? Uh, I have a few comments, but just a few that I wanted to highlight, especially um, with NIJ. But I think this is true for all grants, just based on my experience, both from writing and also being on reviewer panels, is to use the language that they use in the RFP, on their websites, with NIJ right now in particular. It's important to see what their objectives are and to be creative in how you're framing your project. Um, so that you can see, again, that their priorities are supporting law enforcement, 
then you need to make sure that if you're talking about your issues, you're somehow aligning it with that idea of supporting law enforcement or some of the other objectives they have. So I think that really stands out. And like Callie was saying, being able to make those explicit connections and how you structure the grant, the language that you're using, showing that you've taken the time to understand what their agency's objectives are, I think goes a really long way. <laughs>